Carlise Ellison. First of all, thank you for being here. Most people that I've asked have just said, no, I hate you. I'm not going to talk to you, Carlise. You're so <laughs> gracious. Thank you very much. You are welcome. For several years, Carlise and I, Carlise and my family, we were neighbors. That led into me wanting to interview her, talk to you, and, and let people talk to you. How long have you been in the Elk City School System? Oh, my goodness. I think this is my 17th year. Yeah, 17th year. For a while, you went back to school and did yes. something else. So you're not doing what you were several years ago, right? Right. I taught seventh grade language arts. And then after John passed away, I went back and got my master's in school counseling. And this is my second year at the elementary being a school counselor. At the new elementary? Yes. How's that facility, by the way? It's pretty awesome. It's really nice. It's a big building. Get lots of exercise throughout the day. What did you teach? When you taught, what did you teach? I taught literature and language. So language was the grammar and the spelling and the writing and then, of course, literature. Why did you want to be a counselor? Um, I've always wanted to help people. And, you know, John went back and got his master's to be an administrator. And so I waited for him to get his. And, and as soon as the kids graduated, that was kind of my plan. And, and I needed something for myself. So it was almost... As much for to have something to do, to accomplish something, maybe have a goal and go after it and to concentrate the mind, focus the mind on that? Yes, yes. I needed a distraction because I went back. So trying to think, Kyler graduated in 14. So I applied that summer and got accepted. And so I was the empty nester by myself and I needed something (laughs) to focus on and keep me busy and... Always wanted to do it anyway. That was something John and I talked about, a goal of mine, and just wanted to help kids, and that was what I did. So it took me um, five semesters to finish it. What school did you get it through? Uh, Southwestern at Weatherford. So got it. were you able to do some online stuff, or did you have to go over there? A few online classes, but no, I attended classes. So you drove a lot. I did, yes. There was another lady here, and we carpooled together some, and so that helped Helped each other with our classes, and yeah, it was pretty tough. It was tough, and I I did have a couple of classes at Sayer as well. For our listeners out there, the reason I wanted to talk to Carlise and interview her is she's had to deal with something a few years back that fortunately I haven't had to yet, but someday I will. Everybody, everybody will deal with death. It's it's one of those topics we don't talk about because we don't want to. I think I think it's one of those that it's it's unpleasant and we fear it and it's mysterious and it's sad so we avoid it. But you at a pretty young age lost your husband. How old were you and how old was he when John Butler passed away? I was 42 and he was 43. Now that we've established this fact, let's go back in time a little bit. Carlise is originally from Kansas, where in Kansas? Arala, Southwest Corner. Which is not far from a Seward Community College? Right. and Yes, that's in Liberal. That's and who, where I met him. Who did you meet there? John Butler. <laughs> what was he doing there? He was playing some baseball. He's originally from? Moreland. Which is just down the road from that, right? Um, Yeah, it's by Woodward. Well, he actually, he graduated from Tologa, but spent most of his years at Moreland. So you two meet in college. Uh-huh. You fall madly in love eventually <laughs> and get married. And then he was a coach. Yes. And you, did you move around a lot or how quickly did you come to Elk City? Give me the timeline. Well, we started out at Calumet and was there three years. Went to Watonga for three years and then back to Guyman. I'm sorry, we were at Watonga four years and then 
Guymon three, and then we've been at Elk City since. So you weren't that many places before you came to Elk City? No, really, not too many. So how long total now have you lived in Elk City, Oklahoma? I think this is my 18th year. Oh, wow. I have to do some math. Is that the longest you've lived in any one town besides where you grew up? Yes, and actually lived here just as long as where I grew up. So, What position did John hold? I mean, he'd been a coach. Had he worked his way? Refresh my memory. Had he worked his way into administration? Yeah, he was a seventh grade science teacher and finished his master's. And then he was an assistant principal at the high school. So, oh boy. Him and Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Llewellyn. <laughs> yes. The dream team. How did you learn that John had cancer? How did he learn he had cancer? Well, he actually didn't tell me right away. He was getting ready for church one morning. It was in October of 11, and he was shaving, and he felt like a lump on the side of his neck. And he was fixing to go in that Monday to Dr. Williams to get his bus physical. So he just decided he would just wait and say something to him. And Dr. Williams had him do a scan. Mm -hmm. And that was over fall break because we were supposed to go somewhere. And he went to eat breakfast at the hospital, is what he told me, but (laughs) was getting his little scan. Mm -hmm. And um, so, of course, still doesn't say anything to me. And it was the night of parent-teacher conferences. Dr. Williams had called him in there and said, you know, you need to tell Carlise because it's it's looking like it's going to be some cancer. And so he told me that afternoon before parent-teacher conferences. And then on Halloween, because I remember the day, we went to Dr. Pena and she did a needle biopsy and then confirmed that it for sure was and then started doctoring in Oklahoma City. He ultimately battled it for about a year and a half. Yeah, Is that 17 right? months. 17 months he yes. battled it. And you're at this point, you're like 40, 41 years old, somewhere in there. Yes. Early 40s, right? Mm-hmm. And he was only a year older. Right. You're both still young people at right. this point. How did you and he approach this? Well, his, his first comment to me when he first told me that night was he was going to um, weigh all his options and didn't know if he would get any treatments. Really? Yes. Why? Um, I I don't really remember, but I remember thinking, and I even said, uh, yes, you are. I mean, that was not an option. <laughs> but, um, you know, at that, at that point, to me, it was, yes, he had cancer, but it was our cancer. But now I know that, you know, it was always his cancer, like it was his fight, and cancer controlled him. I mean... Every aspect of his life, it controlled him. I just tried to be like the positive cheerleader and help him fight that way. And he was so positive, like he was never negative. He was always positive and just fought and fought and fought. But towards the end, he was he was tired, just tired of fighting it and tired of the treatments. And he's just exhausted because it does it physically and emotionally just wears you out. And your daughter, tell by the way, tell everybody who your daughter is. Uh, Tristan, um, now Powell, Tristan Powell. And your son? Kyler Butler. Tristan is uh, how old now? Golly, she's 20, 26. Uh, Kyler's 25. I feel old. Your, ki- <laughs> your kids were still in school, I think, when we first moved in, right? Yes. We're both, yeah, both yes. of them were still in school. Tristan was a senior? Yes, Tristan was a senior. And God, and Kyler was like ninth or 10th grade? A junior, actually. Oh, they're they just a year back. apart? Yes. 
Yeah. And now they're grown and gone. But your daughter, Tristan, went on to become a nurse. She did. She was actually um, getting her CNA while John was sick. And um, 10 of his chemo treatments required, I'm sorry, seven of his treatments required him to uh, wear like a drip bag Mm -hmm. into his port. So she doctored and nursed him and was able to remove that port so we didn't have to travel back to Oklahoma City to have that taken out. So she she was pretty amazing. A lot of help. Where's Kyler now? He's in living in Steamboat, Colorado, working at the mountain. I bet he loves that. Oh yeah. Yeah. He does. He he was living in San Diego being a scuba diver and taking giving tours and giving lessons and now he's by the way uh several months ago my daughter comes up to me and says dad uh did you know that kyler knows lauren daigle (laughs) how in the world she shows me this facebook post how does your son kyler butler from elk city oklahoma get to know lauren daigle this big time singer i know i'm so jealous he his friend dates her yes isn't that crazy they live in new orleans now really really not together but uh, yes. So he met. How did they meet Diego. out when they were in San Diego? They met. Uh, the, your, Kyler met. Yes. Lauren. Well, yes. When he was out there visiting. Um. Gosh. When was it? May. Maybe he met her. And so and Kyler's friend. friend is dating Lauren Daigle. Yes. If I remember right, I don't want to mess this up, but his friend is like a doctor and was doing his rotations, and he was out in San Diego. San Diego doing wow. something and that's how kyler met him and so i'm anyway, not sure where I was, he's originally from i was but. fascinated by that yeah kyler and tristan junior and senior when john is battling cancer and and going through all this and your daughter is actually able to act as a nurse to her father yes and she wanted to do that see i would mm-hmm. think if i was gosh if i was a senior in high school or if i'd graduated you know was that young I don't know if I could do that, but she she did. She did. You know, he had a feeding tube, so she helped a lot with that. Um, he a lot of his radiation was on his neck area, and it caused it to burn pretty bad. And she helped. I mean, she was she was a little trooper, and I got pretty tough too because nursing is definitely not my thing. <laughs> but I, I did a lot of things that surprised myself, even. But. And then he he ultimately passed away, was it March of 2013? Yes. Which, by the way, on a personal note, my my wife and kids and I had moved in next door to John and Carlise and Tristan and Kyler. I think it was November of 2012, so it was just a few months later that he passed away. Okay. Everybody's different. I know that. Everybody's different. You're different from your son and your daughter, and you have a spousal relationship. They've got, it's their dad. How did it hit you? How did you deal with that when he died? Oh, it, I don't even know how to, to describe it. It's, it's like I physically hurt. Um, my heart felt like it was breaking. I had to make myself breathe. It's just, cancer's a monster. Um, like, it's an epidemic with, it's so ugly, and I mean, it just to watch him suffer, it's just very, very cruel. 
I don't know if I'm answering what you, you are. I, yeah, absolutely, you are. It's not easy to describe because you must have been. Uh, there must have been a million thoughts and a million emotions all crowding through your your mind and your heart all at the same time. Yeah, I remember Kyler asking, and maybe I think it was right after. I mean, the night John died, if we were going to have to move, and I, you know, I didn't even think of what they must be thinking. But, you know, thankfully, um, some things happened before John got sick, and one of them was he t- we took out life insurance policy. It was like God was getting us prepared, and at the last minute, he almost doubled what he was going to originally do, so that was a blessing. So that helped us be able to stay where we were and get the kids through most of their college, and we also uh, got a different vehicle. It was that was interesting and the timing of that because with as much traveling as we did back and forth to the city, that helped us with gas mileage. And so, God was there. I mean, He was He was getting us ready. He spoke to me before um, He was diagnosed, and it was amazing having. God, I can't imagine not having some kind of faith and having God there to call out to. And again, so our listeners will know this, Carlise and I cheated a little. We had a discussion before we ever went on the air <laughs> or before we started recording so I could get some, some preliminary information. I'll ask a question so you can tell everybody what you told me. How long were you and John married? Um, we were almost almost to hit our 20th in July. He died in March and we would have hit our 20th. And we dated five years before we got married. So we kind of raised each other, I guess you would say. And you told me that uh, because he knew the, the disease was progressing, he wanted to go ahead and give you this 20th anniversary gift. Yes. he, Him and Tristan were scheming with Kelly's jewelry in Weatherford and emailing different sets and diamonds and different things back and forth. And I had taken John to one of his treatments in the city and the kids medicine Weatherford. But I didn't know that Tristan had went and picked up this ring <laughs> and he did go ahead and give it to me in December. So I would have it, could have it to wear. And I wore it for a while and until Tim and I um, got married. And now that diamond is in Tristan's wedding ring. And by the way, uh, this story does end happily, or it continues happily, and we'll get to the really happy part in just a minute. <laughs> but uh, more backstory and more of you dealing with this tremendous loss. How did the kids react? Oh, bless their hearts. I mean, you know, here's Tristan graduating two months after her. I just cannot imagine. the end At the end of her senior year, March of her senior year, she lost her father. And he was only 43 at the time? Yes. Yeah, and Kyler Kyler was very active in sports. And, of course, his dad coached him when he was little and raised him in the gym and on the field. (laughs) Raised him out there, huh? He wanted to be with dad? (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, that was hard for him. I know that John wasn't at a lot of his games that we had to miss because he just wasn't up to going or we had a treatment or he was in the hospital or, or, you know, we had so much help from friends and the community and... Very, very amazing. Here's a, a question that, I again, I ask her off air just for my own information, but this is the kind of thing I've really struggled with. If I've ever known somebody 
who lost a loved one, who lost a really close loved one. If I'm a friend and I want to I want to help, I want to say something, what can somebody say to you when you have lost someone very close to you and you're grieving? What can a friend say to you that is actually helpful, that's meaningful? Really, you don't even have to say anything. I mean, just be there, give them a hug, let them know that you're hurting with them. I know it's not the same, you know, I'm I'm the one that has the loss, but just being there and just willing to listen if if I say myself, if I wanted to talk or scream or yell or cry or whatever emotion I was feeling at that moment, you know, grief is it's like a roller coaster ride. You just you're you may be fine one minute and then something triggers and you're in a deep valley and you're climbing yourself out of it. Sometimes you just need somebody to be there. And I, I mean, people telling me they were sorry. I, that was fine. And and also keep talking about that person. You, do, you don't mind him being brought up? No, I, I want him brought up. Absolutely. I love hearing stories or, you know... Just like what you shared about <laughs> talking to him at the, at the sports animal broadcast or, you know, no, we want to keep them alive because to us they're alive. You know, they're alive in our heart. So absolutely. When, uh, I'll tell our listeners this. Uh, Sean Wilson used to do a show called The Coach's Corner, which every Saturday during the school year he'd talk to in the fall. It was football. And then some softball, and then the winter was basketball, and then towards the end of the year, there'd be some spring stuff, some softball and baseball. And about once a year, Sean would be gone, and I would fill in for him doing the coach's corner, talking to coaches and players. And on this particular day, I got my brother Landry to come with me, and I think it was the first time I'd ever actually, I'd, I'd seen him and maybe knew who he was, but it was the first time I'd met John Butler, because he was a coach at the time, and he was graciously came to the gazebo or what used to be the gazebo, inside what used to be the Holiday Inn, on a cold Saturday morning to talk to uh, me on the radio. It was the first time I'd met him. And my brother Landry and I decided, you know, he kind of looks like Troy Aikman. And so we always thought, that was the thing about if John Butler's name ever came up, with, oh yeah, he, he kind of looks like <laughs> Troy Aikman, the, the old Dallas Cowboys coach. And you said he got that a lot? Yes, he did. He did. Well, then you were a lucky lady. He was a good-looking guy. <laughs> he was. He was a good-looking guy. I'm going to read something to you, okay? okay? And I sent this question to you. The five stages of grief, generally speaking, are this. Denial, anger, depression, bargaining, and then acceptance. And it may be an overgeneralization to say this, that supposedly people who suffer a loss go through these five stages. Denial, anger, depression, bargaining, acceptance. Did you experience these five stages? Yes, yes. I mean... I don't know, any certain order. And, and you know, with John being diagnosed and then in November being told that he might make it a month and that he needed to go home and get his ducks in a row and finish up any loose ends that he had. Really? I mean, he yes. was told initially oh, yes. it could be a month? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Vern, his dad and I, uh, Vern and, and Kathy, his stepmom lived in or still live in Guthrie. So they would meet us at his treatments a lot. And, and so they had, Vern had met and I guess they had done some scan on him. I don't remember, probably a PET scan. And so we were in visiting with Dr. Bogardus when he came in and said, I don't remember where I was at, but basically he said that it looked like a bag of tennis balls that he was full 
and it was, you know, he was diagnosed with stage four squamous cell carcinoma, head neck cancer, but it was in his, um, where it spreads. Uh, lymph? Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I can't even think. It was in his lymph node. So that's, you know, so by that point, I mean, it was in his spleen. It was, it was in his liver really bad. So he swelled up. He turned kind of an orangey color. I mean, it was, it was pretty brutal. It was really hard. But um, I don't even remember what, what your question was. <laughs> we were talking about the, the five stages of grief. Oh, yes. But, yeah, so, yes, he was, he was, he talked to Vern and I first, and then um, a lot of his other family was there. His mom was there and and his stepdad and some aunts and uncles, and, and we all sit down, and he told him, and and he was so brave. I, th- I think he knew. I think he knew. And, you know, even though we knew he was terminal, I couldn't say things because I didn't want to be, I wanted to not give up hope, even though, you know, people said, well, you knew he was dying, so you got to have that closure, but no. You don't, even though you know, you just won't, you don't want to accept it? Is that it? I didn't want to accept it, and there's some things I didn't ever say to him because I didn't want him to think I was giving up, and it's, you know how it is when you, uh... You're talking on the phone and you say bye and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I have one more thing I need to say, but they've already hung up. <laughs> right. It was like that. I was like, even to the point of when he was dying, I mean, it was like, oh, I wish I would have said that. Or, I mean, obviously I, I, we had closure, but, you know, I said the things I needed to say and he said the things he needed to say, but there's still just, you wish you had Then you come up with more. more. Oh, yes. I wish I'd said this. I wish yes. I'd said that. And the thing I find is I forget names and forget, I wish he was here so I could say, remember who was that? Or remember when? Or Because I forget, like his memory was really good and I don't have the best memory. But, <laughs> he was so your memory? Yes, so he was the guy, you'd yes, go say, hey, who was that? Yes. When did we go to do the thing? Yeah. That was him, huh? That was him. He could remember every little thing. But uh, All right, let's, let's get to the happy part. Okay. How did you meet Tim Ellison? Well, he was he was a coach here. Um, I I think he came the year John passed away. I'm pretty sure it was Tristan's senior year when he came. So um, knew him briefly. I mm-hmm. mean, he didn't coach any of my kids, but t- uh, Kyler was around him some, just being on the basketball bus. And and then you're still in the school. I mean, you're still right. affiliated with the school system, and so and he was a coach, and John had been a coach. So and you're still going to ball games, and and there's all this, right? Right. Yes. Um. Was it difficult? Uh, again, this is one of those, I think it's a fascinating question. Is it difficult getting into a relationship after losing someone you had loved? I had to go to counseling. Well, I, I, and I didn't even tell you this, but I did grief share. I don't know if you've heard of grief share. I have not. I did several rounds of grief share after John passed away. I mean, that, that, I mean, it saved me. I mean. What is it? Um, It is. Uh, my friend Stephanie and Clint Miller had given me a, a book. It was a uh, like a daily reading. Her mother had passed away, and it had really helped her, so she shared that with me. And it was put out by this company that also did this grief share. And it's um, like videos. You have a workbook, and we met. I can't remember for sure, but I think it was on Sundays. It's like an hour, mm-hmm. and it was with people, you know, dealing with any kind of grief. I mean, I might have been a parent or a sibling or a spouse, but I can't remember how many weeks that lasted. A couple of months. So I did a round of that, and 
then did another round of it, and did the holiday. There was a holiday session, you know, getting through the holidays. So I did that one before our first round of holidays, and so that helped. But yes, I I had a not just getting back out there because I didn't want to compare Tim to John, and yeah, I, I just needed somebody to talk to that could help me through all that, and so I did. I got into some counseling, and and that helped a lot. If, if you want to answer this. I'll let it stand. If you don't, I'll edit it out. That's fine. How did your kids react to you dating again? They seeing were someone? ready for me to date. They were? Yes. I mean, Tristan, Tristan actually, um, we had a long talk, and, and I actually did some online dating. Oh, man. How did that go? Not so good. <laughs> that is the weirdest. I felt like instead of shopping for clothes, that I was shopping for a man. Yeah, it was, uh, oh. I did, I don't remember what the site was. It was some Christian site. And so I actually did go on one date with this man from Yukon and <laughs> thought he was pretty cool and interesting man. And I met him and I deleted my account when I got home. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, that was, that was strange. But yes, I mean, they were, they were ready. And of course, you know, Kyler liked Tim and. I feel like I'm in high school or asking a high school question. How did the relationship come about between you and Tim? Well, he was getting his master's in administration, and I was getting my master's, you know, my counseling, and we had talked at school mm-hmm. when we'd first gone back for our teachers' meetings at the very beginning of the year, and he, his computer had, I don't remember, broke, or I don't know what the deal was, so he actually borrowed my computer, my home computer, not mm-hmm. school computer, and um, I don't know, we just... Just started talking and friends for quite a while before we started dating. And so, how long did you? How how long were you in a relationship before you got married? Several years. Was that by design, or just both of you needed the time to get used to it? Needed the time. Yeah. Yes. And then when you finally decided to get married, I'm assuming if they wanted you to date, I'm assuming the kids were great with you getting married. Yes, they were. They both liked him. Yes, they did. Of course, Kyler knew him a little better than Tristan. Has there been any difficult for Tim Ellison, your husband, in dealing with the fact that he's married to a woman who had lost her husband? I'm and you sure. know, with with kids in the picture, and has that was that was that at all difficult for him? Yes, I know. Yes, it was. It was. I mean, he just had made the comment he didn't think he could fill John's shoes, and of course, he didn't need to fill John's shoes. He was. He made me laugh. That was what attracted to me most to him as he was funny and I hadn't <laughs> laughed and smiled in so long and it was just I enjoyed being around him he was funny and easy to talk to and so we became good friends and they say <laughs> they say all great relationships start as yes. you know good friends yes and that and you know ha- living in our house you know the one that John and I had lived in and so we built a house and Make, making our own memories our, in our own home. and How long have you two been married now? We got married in January of 18. Do you feel like a newlywed, almost yes. like a honeymooner? Is it still yeah. like that? Yeah, it is. Really? I mean, and, and, you know, we don't have the kids at home, so it is. It's just him and I, and, yeah, it's fun. We enjoy a lot of the same things, and, yes, it, it, is, it has been nice. How has your life changed since you got remarried? 
I mean, other than, of course, you got a companion. I mean, there's right. somebody there yes. to share your life with, right? Yes. I was so lonely and, mm. you know, I missed having somebody to go eat with and go to the movies and hang out with and talk to. And I mean, my friends were great and they were so supportive, but, you know, it's different. Needed, needed, needed a man. <laughs> needed Tim. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's what I want to end with. Okay. There are people out there, men and women, who either right now are going through this or in the next year or two will be going through this. If there's somebody listening who is going through the loss of a very close loved one, especially a spouse, let me ask it this way. If there's somebody who is grieving the loss of a spouse, what does that person need to know to make it? Um, You know, somebody told me, Oh, in time, you'll be fine. You know, time cures everything. And I thought, yeah, whatever. But time does help. I mean, it does help you heal. Just breathe. <laughs> breathe. I'm just telling you, just breathe. Because it it's crazy what grief does to you. I mean, you forget things. I would forget what day it was. I wouldn't want to get out of my car and go in my house some days after school. I'd sit in my car for 30 minutes to an hour sometimes, even though I knew he wasn't like I would beat him home from school. But I just knew it's so final. He wasn't ever going to come home. So just step by step, I, I really would suggest counseling. It has, I mean, the grief share helped me tremendously. And just being around other people and grief share that's going through the same thing. So you have that support and and somebody that you can talk to about that. Is it nice but, when you're when you're grieving like that and you've lost a spouse? Is it nice to talk to other people who are going through the exact same thing? It it was for me. And don't make any decisions. That was another thing. Somebody said, "Don't make any decisions for a year because you're really not in the state of mind where right? you can think clearly," which is so true. So set on those things. Don't sell your house right away. Don't don't do anything major, drastic in your life because. Don't move to Jamaica in a month. Is that what you're exactly. saying? Exactly. Yes. I mean, and just oh, I listen to music like like Christian music was my healer. I mean, it helped me a lot just listening to songs and, of course, going to church and reading my Bible and was staying busy a big part of it. Just having oh, something yes. to do, somewhere to go, yes. having friends and family, just surrounding yourself with people, not being alone. I was so glad that I still had Kyler's senior year with all his sports activities because, yeah, I didn't want to be at home. And then getting my master's, that helped keep me busy. And find something for yourself because when you're a caregiver, you pretty much neglect yourself. I mean, you're you're taking care of them and, and they're priority number one. Yeah. And so do something for you. Go on a trip or, you know, we went we went to New York City. That July after John passed away, yeah. that was our anniversary trip, and just get out and live because, you know, you you for sure know that life is short, and you better enjoy it. Are you Don't happy? Take anything for are, granted. Are I, you happy? I am happy. I am. I didn't think I would ever be happy again, but I'm very happy. And again, I had to get this information off air because I didn't remember it. You were 42, and he was 43 when he when he passed away, right? Yes. And that's young. And I can imagine, because I'm 44 as I speak, I can imagine thinking, I'll never be happy again. I'll never, it'll never be the same. I'll never be happy. And yet here you are, still a pretty young woman, and you're saying, no, it does get better. You are happy. Yes. And just live, 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 live.
Well, you've done a great job. Carlise Ellison, thank you so much for going one-on-one with me. You're welcome. Thank you.